0: Previously on See You in Another Life, Brothers.
1: Well, uh, that was fun. Watching Lost for the millionth time in a row. Uh, So you want to move on to a different show now?
0: No. We're going to have to watch that again.
1: What? You can't be serious.
0: There's more to it. I miss things. I know. It's, It's just a TV show. No, it's more than that. It needs to be rewatched. That's why they put it on DVD. Don't you think that maybe they put it on DVD
1: just to see if weirdos like you would watch it again and again?
0: Every. Single. Day. But I need to keep doing it. It's what's supposed to happen.
1: Well, now this is happening.
0: You broke the disc. Why would you do that?
1: You need to let go and watch something else. It's a leap of faith.
0: I don't know how.
1: We'll do it together. You know, I've I've heard some good things about this new show called Expose.
0: Razzle-dazzle! Hello, and welcome to See You in Another Life Brothers orientation video number three for the Dharma Initiative. My name is Hector Candle, and I will be your guide through this mysterious station that you are going to be staying in for the next a thousand days. Here's the... Oh, sorry. I forgot. We're doing the podcast, aren't we?
1: Yeah, you, you mixed up your scripts.
0: Yeah, I, I was supposed to be doing some videos for, uh, so this is uh, this is the podcast where we're going to be talking about orientation, which features an orientation video. It's not an actual orientation video. Sorry, sorry to all the listeners out there. Hope I didn't confuse you.
1: I'm sure they were very, very confused about, you know, like it's it's the video and it's the audio version, like they should be seeing Hector Candle, you know, That's, yeah. Yeah, it's confusing. What was his name in this? It's, I, don't think I think it was, it was something candle. I don't remember what the first name was. Uh,
0: yeah, he does. Uh, this is, yeah, I'm failing at lost trivia right now because you should know all of his, uh, aliases. His real name's Pierre Chang.
2: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, but yeah, <laughs> he goes by like Marvin or Marvin candle. And like, I, th- I think. Marvin. Yeah. Dr. Marvin candle, but
1: that sounds uh, right.
0: Yeah. But, uh, We get the orientation video in this episode. Crazy, right? This was fun.
1: There's so much. I I felt like watching this episode, there was so much uh, world building in such a concise amount of time. You know, I mean, we get the the orientation video. We get Desmond mentioning how he came to the island, Mm -hmm. you know, telling a, a very brief version of his story. And it was like, man, there's just there's a lot of they set up a ton to explore later and in just a few short minutes of this episode is, is really fun.
0: Yeah. They do world building without sacrificing character building, which is something that not a lot of shows or movies do very well when you have to do a lot of that. And it can be very exposition heavy, but this, I just love how they seamlessly blend that in there with Desmond telling that story, which actually, and we can talk about this later but it fits in perfectly with the themes of the episode. Um, It's just mm. a f- this, this episode is seamless as far as that is, as I'm thinking about it now, just everything works together. And for the theme of kind of dealing with loneliness versus working together, uh, very well done. Mm-hmm. In this episode.
1: Yeah, this was a, this was a really fun episode to revisit. There's a lot of really good stuff in here and it felt like, you know, there like there were moments in this episode that were very familiar. Um, you know, obviously, I feel like the orientation video is is kind of a classic. You know, uh, scene that gets kind of revisited later in in different episodes. You know, because it it does have a lot of exposition that they'll use in mm-hmm. previously ons and different things in uh, future episodes. Um, and some of the lines from Jack and Locke get recycled later on and and things, but. Um, it was just a really fun episode to revisit because I had, uh, you mentioned last week that it's, uh, the next episode was a lock episode and I couldn't remember what it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was really fun to just go into it kind of, kind of blind. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's just a really solid episode. I will say
0: this episode is the most, and this isn't saying much, but of the whole series, this is the most uplifting Locke episode.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah,
0: Because the it's the only one where the flashback ends on an up note. On yeah. a you know, it's like oh, Locke got a win. You know, and you think that almost the in sort of a weird the same way in the, on the island. But I don't know. As I, I I'm I'm going back and forth on this whether or not this is an uplifting end for the. Uh, on island stuff too
1: mm-hmm. but
0: uh, as far as lock episodes go this is about as happy as it gets unfortunately <laughs> for him uh, it's... because it's tough for Locke
1: it, that's a really good point it is it is an unusually positive episode even though it does have some of the classic hallmarks of, of a lock episode of him yelling out something, you know, in desperation, him in the flashbacks going through a very tragic time. And, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it it really does have a much more upward trajectory than any of his other episodes. That's, that's a really, really good point to, to emphasize here at the beginning.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I want to, maybe we can just dive right in to the flashback, the uplifting flashback, which, opens on a rather dark note <laughs> yeah. because i think this right here is the most bitter we see Locke probably perhaps in the whole series because this is his you know he's bottomed out right now well maybe not no it gets worse <laughs> yeah. it gets worse but we see this this scene i want to say right now if you know i want to bookmark this because at the end of the season when we come back and we do our best performances mm. every time i watch watch this scene i watched it a couple times for this rewatch and i remember watching it before when terry o'quinn says and it's the specific line when he says my mother told me i was special mm. and the way he wells up in that moment you're just like oh my gosh that was good acting that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's so, you believe it, you buy it, and you feel it. You're like, mmm, Terry O'Quinn, win that Emmy. I think he <laughs> won, it for, won it for season two, perhaps. No, I've, maybe it was three. But anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, that one gets me every single time.
1: Yep. So. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting, you know, it uh, we were talking last week how last week's episode felt like a, a sequel to Special, you know, with Michael, Um, this one, uh, you know, feels like Mm -hmm. a sequel to, uh, it would be deus ex machina, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, the, because it's, you know, it, it even establishes right at the beginning, you know, he says, I think a couple years ago, my, my mother came to me. So some, some time has passed even since then. And Mm -hmm. he is still just incredibly bitter as you would expect, you know, I mean, that's, that's an incredibly, tragic story um and it's interesting just one the the thing about this scene that stood out to me the most was it felt like uh despite how um sympathetic Locke is especially like in the line you said Terry Terry O'Quinn's performance and because we know uh what he has gone through we saw him experience it yeah, uh, in deus ex machina it's such a sympathetic story uh like you you feel for him but it's i found it really interesting that the first flashback portrays that in a it begins in a very unsympathetic way mm-hmm. because he's totally just laughing at this other person who yeah. is dealing with their own anger issues and and airing them out and helping you know, it's, it's her moment to share and he interrupts and completely undercuts everything that she's going through. Um, because, you know, he's basically, basically like you want to hear a sob story, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you want to hear what should really make you mad. Well, let me tell you. And, um, despite how maybe accurate he may be in having, having the most angering story of the bunch, uh, it's a, it's just interesting to show Locke at a very kind of uh unflattering view um right at right at the beginning here
2: hmm
0: yeah, yeah he's very bitter right here he's very um yeah it, it, being very rude um I obviously mean. to, to um, understatement obviously he says Francine feels too much if you ask me. The, the you know the leader of the therapy session she says that's how she feels and Locke is saying it, uh, it, <laughs> she feels too much y- you all do He said this is what's real here I, I lost my kidney I lost a part of me um, I want that back that's this is pain that I'm experiencing and I am letting that out here and I think. Helen, um, when they get, they get the scene afterwards, when she comes to John and her, uh, she says, thank you for saying that. Thank you for finally saying what I've always been thinking. Get over it. Freaks. Um, I think they both acknowledge right there they're saying these people are kind of stuck in a, an emotional rut If you will, you know, she keeps getting upset about this $30 or he says, you're upset about this and that. And I think, you know, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but Helen sort of says to John, John, you're never going to get better if you keep going to this, being in this group with these people who are kind of treating, I don't know if this is exactly right, but maybe treating the symptoms instead of the actual core of the problem. And so Helen says, come with me and let's help each other. That's the way I see this, this, this moment where she, mm-hmm. and and John immediately is drawn to her because she shares his mm-hmm. playfulness and shares his sort of like, you know what? Um, I'm angry, but I know there's something more. Um, and so I, 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 I just love how it, it, it feels so, you understand why John is drawn to Helen and you understand why these two are perfect for each other right off the bat. So very effective scene in that way as well.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with everything you're saying. And, and it really feels like to me that there's this, uh, uh, it's kind of a jarring scene to see Locke be so, so unhinged in his anger and his resentment right at the beginning. Um, and, you know, it, it feels like, oh man, is this going to be Locke just being, you know, like the the progression of his uh, bitterness, you know, wh- from where we last saw him in a flashback. But then th- this loner, Locke, uh, you know, this guy who, it seems like, you know, he's a very strange guy and no one really gets him. Then this woman comes up and immediately knows how to even uh, win him over immediately with kind of a dark, humorous line, you know, like, it's probably a good idea not to smoke, you know, you've only got one kidney if you get cancer, you know, like, if you get kidney cancer and everything, like, super dark, (laughs) such a such a risk. And that's exactly the sort of thing that, you know, kind of endears him to her right away, which is, it's just really cool to see. Um, him in such a unhinged moment, and then it followed up by this person who who gets him and knows what to say to kind of win him over there um, and to start this relationship together. Um, it's just kind of a kind of a cool turn for the episode at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. There are two people who know that they're hurt and they need to heal. And they're doing it together. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the gist of where we're starting there. And then, of course, we're presented with conflict of the episode in the na- next flashback, where Locke can't... Uh, he can't stay the full night with Helen and uh, has to go sit in front of old Anthony Cooper's house. And, uh, yeah, this, this scene as well... Mm. Um, this this interaction between him and Anthony uh just the most devastating thing you could probably hear from your father you know don't come back you're not wanted Mm -hmm. um but the the full conversation uh just to dissect it where Anthony basically says you're annoying the crap out of me i just Want to know what it is you want so I can, you know, get you out of my hair, basically, is what he is. But he's coming at it. And John, all Locke can can, can muster up is why. Mm-hmm. Why? And that's, he just wants to understand. And that's John Locke <laughs> summed up in that one question. It's like, I want to know the greater purpose to it all. Um, Is there a greater, why? And then he just comes back with the most devastating thing you could tell a believer Mm -hmm. in John Locke. There is no why. You think you're the first person to ever get conned? You needed a father, I needed a kidney. Get over it. It's the cold reality that sometimes, you know, we put our faith in something, in someone, and people are imperfect. And sometimes they're just evil, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the reality that that Locke can't. No matter how how he's told, he's straight straight up told it. Locke still can't can't deal with it. He can't get over it, mm-hmm. as Anthony puts it. So, yeah. That's why he keeps sitting out beside his house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I was gonna say like you're uh, when you said you know I mean like you you use the word evil and that that's what I thought of in in this scene is that like in in Deus Ex Machina you know you get to the end of the episode and you're like like okay that was that's the most devastating thing you know I mean that that is mm-hmm. the most tragic episode you know I mean like it's hard to imagine. Mm-hmm like being betrayed on a deeper level. Um, And because we don't get a resolution in that episode of Anthony saying anything after he just disappears, it's almost like, you know, there was kind of an open door for the possibility of, you know, he's, he's a con man and doesn't really think about his actions, you know, maybe kind of uh, just, you know, not, not even considering what he's doing. Um, just knowing that, you know, he needed a kidney and now he's gone. But in this scene, he shows like, oh, no, I'm fully aware, Mm -hmm. you know, that this is uh, devastating for you. But get off my lawn, you know, like you're not wanted here, like get over it. And to me, that's going from like, you know, just inconsiderate you know, obviously, still a terrible person to oh no, this guy's a pure, like, evil villain, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. And once again, you know, Terry O'Quinn says like two words in this scene I think, mourning and uh, why, and yeah, the way he uh responds to everything Anthony says throughout the scene is just terry o'quinn's performance is phenomenal like the way he takes that sip as he gets out of the car and begins to cry just everything about it i i can't even say anything you know i mean it's just just perfect
0: well even when he sits down in the car the look on his face is like he sees a ghost Uh, he's aghast he's just like i can't believe he's he's sitting in the car now Mm -hmm. um yeah, and then the, that that sip is yeah, such a perfect take on, of just raw emotion. Um, yeah, you really feel, you feel for John Locke. I don't think anyone could watch this episode and not feel for John oh, Locke. Yeah. Uh, which makes it all the more, you know, conflicting when you, you're like, but is he, you know, he's, 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 you know, Locke is misguided, obviously, because he just keeps sitting outside this house. And he's leaving the other point we should make is he's leaving the bed of someone who actually loves him, yeah. cares about him and actually wants likes him for him instead of Anthony, who only pretended to like Locke to get part of him. Uh, that's a huge distinction. And Locke still the fact that he took part of him. You no, know, he's like, there's got to be a purpose to that. There's got to be a reason I don't have part of me anymore. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, Locke is lost. Mm-hmm. But you you understand what, you understand how a man could get lost like that mm-hmm. very easily. It's
1: interesting because I, I don't know, you know, this is kind of just my personal, you know, I guess, takeaway from the scene or something I was thinking through after the scene was, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder... You know, we, we don't have any answer to this, but I wonder if Locke changed, you know, the question that he had for Anthony and his you know, as, as he's waiting out in, in front of his house, because we know that he continues to do it. Um, yeah. I can't help but wonder if he moved from why to how, <laughs> you know, like how could a human being do something like that, you know? um and you know i don't think that bears any like there's there's no evidence of that in the episode other than that he just keeps coming back but that was the question that i moved to at that point you know how could someone be that despicable um and and Locke continues to return you know and to to his house and and sit out out front and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah also i just think it's funny that uh they give Locke this completely like non uh you know inconspicuous car (laughs) like the yeah (laughs) the red uh beetle you know sitting out Mm -hmm. front it's like uh you can just imagine anthony just seeing that you know this (laughs) kind of eyesore of a car Mm -hmm. out in front Mm -hmm. and and i think that's uh, that was just a funny choice uh giving him that car i I know we saw that in a previous episode but uh it's just Mm -hmm. you know you can imagine him being so annoyed by that bright red car out front
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah you love those little intentional details yeah. they do when they design like the they go under a pre they go unnoticed i mean you notice them like lock what's lock's car um locks you know wardrobe his hair uh-huh. slowly thinning away <laughs> very very well done as far as all that goes and it, it feels right yeah that's the thing about it it's like yeah lock drives a beetle I could see that. I could very well see that. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. No, but I like yeah, you wonder what his question is now cuz he he got his one. He got his That's what he wanted. He wanted to why? And as I think about it, I'm wonder I think either he didn't have a question mm. anymore or his question was what? Like what was it all for still? Mm. Because Locke is he just keeps doing it um, the way I see it, he's he's stuck in a, in the definition of insan- insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result or expecting that you know he'll, he'll actually find a greater purpose in it. That's what I think Locke is doing here because he's saying, this man, brought me into this world there has to be more than this uh that's how i how i kind of see it and uh that's why the next scene is so important because it's helen basically confronting him about that and saying um john you can't keep doing that um because as she puts it, and I love the the revelation on her part, she says, I wasted 20 years of my life being angry, mm-hmm. which I think is a key uh, a, a key emotion, a key problem. That's her problem. We don't know any more about that. But I love the connection, and we can talk about this when we get to the on-island stuff. Who else do we know is very angry right now in the episode? Mm-hmm. A guy named Jack. Yep. Who's very very angry throughout this episode, and I think Helen Helen's anger, she's trying to get over it, and she knows she can't get over it alone, which I think relates to how Jack and Locke, you know, their relationship in this episode. Um, and she says, "We need to help each other, and you can't keep going to that man who robbed you to try to have him heal you because he won't; he'll just keep robbing from you."
1: Yeah, and. I love, I don't know, this, this scene feels just, uh, there, there's so much of it that is just, uh, good, you know, she's just reaching out to him and trying to help, Uh, you know, acknowledging, you know, I know, I see the thing that's holding you back, um, and I need to confront you about it, but I'm confronting you with an invitation, Um, you know, she gives him a key as a way of saying, you, you know, like, I want you to be able to, you know, maybe move some of your stuff into my place or whatever, you know, like to, to not have to knock, you know, but you need to let go of this thing that is hindering you. Um, and I also just love the fact that, you know, so it's, it's just a, it feels like a very pure, you know, loving action on her part you know there's no ill motives it seems like she's just saying you know i i want to help you move on like uh i've i've been in a similar place to where you're at and i want to help you with that um and i also just like uh you know i wonder how much uh the writers of the episode were thinking about the irony of um her giving her trying to help a guy named Locke by giving Locke, him a key, yeah. you know, um, it's like, I, even if it's kind of, you know, a, a cheesy idea, like that, that's what's happening. I kind of think that's perfect. You know, the idea that this guy who is kind of locked up, you know, and he, and he's stuck and he's, um, uh, stuck in the past in his, in his anger, She's really inviting him to uh, move on, to uh, let go of those things, and I just feel like it that like that symbolism there is is perfect for for the whole scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, she's inviting him into you know a healthier relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one you might uh, then the note I made a while ago was uh, basically what we see here is Helen offering to be John's constant, Mm. uh, before, you know, we haven't gotten to that yet, but she wants to, you know, help him to have something, you know, someone in this world that he can hold on to and count on because the world is cruel Mm. basically. And there's all sorts of variables, but she is the one thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you're saying, she wants him to let go of his father. Um, and Locke doesn't know how. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, what like what is a constant if not you know like a sense of home, you know, a, a place mm-hmm. to be able to return to, you know, a, a person to be able to return to? And she's she's giving him a key to her house, you know, like that's that's exactly what that is.
0: Like the other line in the episode, in the scene that hit me was, "What I do is my business; it's personal." Mm-hmm. Locke pointing to, you know, he, he's, and we've seen Locke do this throughout the series where when he is dead set on believing what he wants to believe in his belief that can lead him to shut other people out. Like we see, we saw that in Deus ex Machina with him and Boone where he was so dead on, dead set on, he's right. We need to get to the plane that um, he looked past an opportunity to connect with Boone right in front of him where they could actually connect over that Teresa thing. Mm. But but instead he looked past and he saw the plane. Um once yeah he's he's saying what I do is my business it's personal. Um even though he says all right at the end of the episode of course we see that he was just saying that because he he likes Helen um he still was holding on to his belief that there's something more to his father than just robbing him of his kidney mm-hmm. and uh, how misguided that was.
1: Yep. Yeah, I love I love that there is still like that tension in Locke, you know, that you can see, you know, like it's my business. I, you know, uh, why would you follow me and everything like he's still trying to maintain his own uh, independence in holding on to his anger. And yet she's she wants to invite him to move on past that. Um, it's just uh, very, very effective in showing where, you know, kind of the psychology of Locke, where where he's at at that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As that kind of brings us to the last scene, the final flashback, um, where Locke once again has to drive there in the middle of the night, park outside. I just love... Helen coming in full. <laughs> She's just like, I'm coming in hot. Helen is coming in hot right now. <laughs> Bumps into his beetle. Come on, you're going to damage the beetle. You can't do that. Um, taking the keys, throwing him into Anthony's yard. What the, what's going to? Ha- that's my biggest concern with this whole episode. What's going to happen to Locke's car? that point, I mean, what what's going what's going on with the
1: car? Do you think? Uh, that's- do you think that Helen didn't like the beetle, and this was just her way to you know get rid of it? <laughs>
0: You know, I think you might be onto something there. This this whole episode was just about <laughs> her hating that car. Um, finally, that's the resolution at the end. She gets to get rid
1: of that. Locke got conned again.
0: <laughs> all she wanted was for him to get rid of that car. He loses his kidney and then he loses his car.
1: This isn't a happy ending at all. <laughs> this is horrible.
0: Uh, yeah, but in all seriousness... Yeah, this, this line of dialogue between the two of them, um, Helen coming and just saying, he's not coming out of that house because he doesn't care. Um, just telling him the truth, trying to break him of this you know, self-made religion, basically, where he's still worshiping his cruel father. Um, and she lays it out there. You're going to have to choose him or me and Locke's line. No, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it reflects his. Yeah, he, he, he that's why he can't stay at Helen's place the whole night. It's I, I still have to follow this. I still have to follow this desire, um, even though I can tell Helen really does care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and his line, I can't, I don't know how. And Helen basically di- diagnosing the core of Locke's problem where because you don't know what's going to happen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: none of us do. That's why it's called the leap of faith, John. You don't have to be alone, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. Locke, you've built it up in your head. Like you think you know what's going to happen with your father. He's going to come out of that house. He's going to apologize for taking your kidney. He's gonna uh, wrap you in his arms. It's gonna be like the uh, maybe a reverse of the prodigal son, <laughs> where the father comes back to this, or you know, and it's just that's you can't keep living like you with this. Built-up idea of destiny when that's not how destiny works. You don't know how it's going to happen. Um, that's why it's called the leap of faith. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah i I was really surprised by this scene um, mm-hmm. because, well for for a number of reasons. Um, first off, did this scene remind you of any other scenes in the series? Um, because that was the thing that really surprised me, the similarities between this and another scene. I'm just curious if you noticed this as well.
0: I don't think so. What scene?
1: So it's literally, and you know, we're keeping the whole series in mind, but it's literally the very end of the series. Mm, Okay. Jack and his dad. Yeah. There were several lines that were almost the same. You know, she says, moving forward, and In the end, Christian says, moving on, Mm -hmm. says that's why it's called a leap of faith. I think that's exactly what (laughs) Christian says to him, too. Mm -hmm. And then she says, you know, you don't have to be alone. And he says to Jack, you know, no one does it alone. Yep. And I was like, wow, that is. Such a so many parallels. And I think we you know, I think we've touched on this a lot in the podcast for good reason, but. Um, I feel like Lost. You know, uh, you you pointed this out. I feel like first in, in some of the earlier episodes that um, so much of the series is about um, how when people go off on their own mm-hmm. and try to try to just do things on their own, uh, it ends up you know almost in tragedy all the time. But when they are uh, when they invite others in uh, and are uh, open to, to going with others, to letting go of the things that are holding them back um, and being with people who can help them. um, That's when things work out, you know, like that's the positive. Um, And so I felt like this scene was just like a microcosm of what a lot of lost is about. And I thought that was just because of the similarities, especially to that, you know finale uh as well as just themes that have been going throughout the show I was like gosh this scene could blow right past you but there is it's just uh representative of so much of the entire series and I thought that was just really cool on such such a micro level you know these two characters in a flashback nonetheless you know mm-hmm. um yeah it was and of course you know it's just a well acted well directed scene you know it's uh, even just on a basic level but i just thought that was really cool
0: no yeah that's a really good point um and i do feel like that yeah this is this scene is very much the heart of lost and mm-hmm. i think that the fact that it, it parallels that's that the final scene um yeah backs that up where um it's basically about how the, uh, in this world there are two types of people that's kind of what lost is there's the type of pre- that, and there's the type of people that want to take from others because they realize others have what they need and there's the type of people that want to connect with others um and you know like helen it, instead of manipulating to get what they want giving and receiving you know and i think that's Kind of the core of the the good the the good news of Lost is that mm-hmm. other people are there for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and it is you know once again like this, this is a very positive ending for where where we leave off in Locke's story here. You know, um, and it feels like yeah it's it's Lost at its most optimistic maybe too. You know. Um, of characters saying you know like you can you can let go, move forward you know let's let's hold hands as we go forward basically let's you don't have to do it alone. Um, and I feel like that's you know obviously why uh, even though Locke's story is defined so much by tragedy um, why this flashback is important in this episode because he needs to draw upon the hope that he remembers in these lines when he quotes them later. And, and we'll get to that obviously, but
0: yeah, we need to get to later <laughs> because I had a, you know, yes. Locke is obviously this, this flashback we're seeing here. It's obviously at the forefront of his mind. Cause like you're saying, he quotes it later, but I, it, the version we get in the hatch is, not as reductive Mm -hmm. because there's a key difference so we need to talk about that but i think before we get there it's a perfect time to take a commercial break even though we don't have commercials we need to get some commercials
1: we need to to start getting paid for this thing
0: we gotta get get paid man gotta (laughs) make bank man man what should we what should we sell
1: Uh, I think we should take out ads for the Hanzo Foundation. Yeah. Um.
0: (laughs) we should sell Apollo bars. Yeah, exactly. Try an Apollo bar. They're good even if they've been sitting in a hatch for 30 years. (laughs) They don't go bad. Um, But uh, anyway, we will be right back after this. Welcome back to "See You in the Life," brothers. Brought to you by Apollo Bars and the Dharma Initiative. <laughs> uh, it, it has a weird ring to it. I feel like we sold out. I feel like we sold out.
1: Yeah, it happened so fast.
0: I know. We, we used to be we used to be so cool, and we were all independent and everything. Now, now we're owned mm.
1: by Big Dharma.
0: Big Dharma owns us, <laughs> and we're contractually obligated to um, say that the. There was no ethical issues with keeping people down in that hatch all that time Um, and uh, monitoring them and all that stuff. It was all above board. Okay, Mm
1: -hmm. no, no polar bears were harmed. It's all Mm -hmm. good.
0: The reports of a man who was down there for four years all by himself after killing his partner. Those are completely, <laughs> those are, we are, unfounded. Are unfounded, unfounded. The Dharma initiative is completely above board and completely still exists. <laughs> anyway. So how about the, uh, let's, uh, talk about the Island stuff or the hatch stuff. I should say what's going on with Jack and Locke. They, they seem pretty chummy in this episode, right? Yeah. You know, it, I-
1: I think, uh, I was just, you know, let, let's get back to Jack and Locke where they've been having the same, uh, small conversation while at gunpoint for the last three episodes. (laughs) Yes.
0: And we get the line once again, uh, is this what you were talking about? Locke? Is this your destiny? All roads lead here. Third time. And you can say, okay, this is getting repetitive, but it's important. Actually, once again, I love this line because, as we said in the the first episode, it's it's Jack saying, "Is this your destiny?" and basically being cynical. And then all of a sudden, he sees a guy he recognizes, and suddenly he's like, "Wait, this is a miracle! Holy crap! Maybe there's something to this." And he's confused. So it's you see it from Jack's perspective. Mm -hmm. Then in the last episode, it's sort of just kind of a question of, yeah. John, you have a gun to your head. You thought this this hatch was going to be your your um, salvation. This is destiny, and um, it's seeming like there's a lot of red flags here. And then in this one, I see it as sort of a it's it's you look at it from a different perspective. The relationship between John Locke and Jack, you know. So you had it from a Jack perspective. You had it from an overall perspective. And now you're looking at it specifically from between the two of them.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's what this episode's all about the friction between the two of them. Um, and uh, Locke being dead set still. This is our destiny. And Jack being completely pissed about it the whole time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it is interesting. You know, obviously, I feel like. You're totally right. Like, I feel like we see Jack and Locke in contrast to one another uh, uh, throughout this episode. Um, and I was, yeah, I was I was struck by, you know, in these opening scenes, just how, um, talk about unhinged, you know, Jack is just mm-hmm. crazy. Like, he's so mad. Yes. <laughs> um, and so loud. And Locke is overall very calm and cool. Mm -hmm. you know and and it was just interesting like in in the first half of the episode that's where that's where both of them are at um and it it is just kind of interesting to to get to this point we're finally moving past you know that that line from jack all roads lead here Uh, and it's interesting to see where both characters are at Mm -hmm. psychologically at that point but
0: i think it's best summed up in uh (laughs) when you know kate knocks out desmond Mm-hmm. And then Jack gets on top of him and Locke goes, he's unarmed. <laughs> and then Jack goes, he just had a gun pointed to your head, <laughs> which is true. It's, it's the, just the most ridiculous line from Locke, but it sums up the the key difference between the two of them. Because Locke is looking at Desmond throughout this episode and he sees beyond the outer appearance, basically. To meet to, to Locke, Desmond is unarmed because he understands Desmond just, he believes in this hatch, just like Locke does. So Locke is like, no, he's a believer. He's unarmed. He's not going to kill you. He just cares so much about this hatch and you're threatening it. Um, And Jack's like, Jack's just looking at the facts, which Jack always does and being very pragmatic and saying, no, he had a gun pointed to your head snap out of it, trying to smack some sense into him. So it's a brilliant contrast in that line. Right
1: mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I just love the, I just really love how the opening of the episode ends with mm-hmm. Desmond looking at the computer and saying, we're all going to die. Yes. Uh, I just, that's just one of my favorite moments of the episode, how that's, that's the cliffhanger at the beginning that if the computer is dead, what does that mean, you know, for, for all of us? Um, and I, I love how dark and ominous that that leaves it, but
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to die. And then it comes back and I have to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, very straightforward. Desmond's a man on a mission. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have to enter the code. I have to push the button Desmond says, and then Jack is just getting, okay, cut this crap or what? What's going to happen? And then, yeah, Jack. Jack's just like, I need the facts. And Desmond says, "Do I know you?"
3: Hmm.
0: Jack. <laughs> and that sums up Jack's sort of relationship he's having with the island right now, or having with everything going on around him. He's like, "Okay, let's just give me the facts here. I just want to cut to the chase." And Desmond is kind of saying nope you're going to take the long way and go do I know you and deal with this this elephant in the room that you seem to want to continue to ignore jack and your quest to just be a you know have blinders on
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and it it feels like you know if we if we think about where where jack just was you know in in uh, man of science man of faith it felt like that episode was was all about jack trying to to learn to be the leader that everyone needs you know like and and to be the one who can speak up front and say you know like we're all gonna be okay you know we're all mm-hmm. gonna make it through the night and suddenly you know not that long after that realization mm-hmm. still the same night he's thrust into this world of um, miraculously this guy who showed up a pivotal point in his life years before is living inside the hatch um and there's supposedly a button that is important enough where everyone's going to die if he doesn't press it Mm -hmm. and you know so going from something very grounded to being introduced to what feels like miraculous you know like way beyond um the regular everyday stuff uh, going Mm on. um, It feels like Jack just immediately snaps into uh, anger, confusion, and almost just fear. You know, Mm. I, I wonder how much in this episode it's, you know, frustration and anger because it's just too much for him to comprehend, you know, like what is actually happening right now. Um, and so he's just angry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting to think about that with, um, what had just happened previously, you know, he was just telling everyone, everything's going to be fine. And now he's immediately just yelling at this guy (laughs) in Mm -hmm. in the hatch and
0: yeah. And then Jack has this just, you know, he's, he's pissed off and all of a sudden He's quelled by do I know you and then basically just lets Desmond go and of course at gunpoint with Kate now Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the moment between Locke and Jack after this when they're just kind of standing there, Desmond's looking at the computer and Jack looks at Locke and Locke is looking at him and Jack says what and Locke says nothing Jack. But then, love how they stay on him, and you can see he's he, there's a little smile creeping up. Yeah, and to me, I see this as the parallel to the flashback, which you know probably I forget where it, it happens, pretty close together these scenes. Um, I see it as Locke, and the, the, the I just it just occurred to me the last time I watched this episode. But Locke now is in Helen's role mm-hmm. here. He's looking at Jack and he sees, you know, an opportunity for them to connect because he saw that little moment where Jack's like, where Desmond recognizes him. And he's like, there's something more to this for Jack too, basically. And now I'm going to help him. We're going to help each other. Basically, because that—that's why he—that's bo- why he connects right here, and I think that's the—that's why throughout the episode, Locke is continuing to kind of build this thing where we're partners in this, Jack, and Jack's having nothing of it. But because he recognized you, mm-hmm. there's something more. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Anyway, you can interpret it different ways, but.
1: Yeah, I I think you're totally right. I think Locke do, is seeing himself in this episode, you know, kind of in the in the role that Helen was occupying in the flashback. Um and it is just interesting to see I feel like they go through a range of emotions, both Jack and Locke throughout the episode mm-hmm. in response to you know, kind of it feels like the beginning of supernatural events here in the hatch you know like the just the question of what's going to happen if we don't push this button um you know kind of it, it feels like there's a crisis of faith and uh we're seeing how both of them respond as the stakes seem to get more dire throughout the episode and right here at the beginning Locke is looking at jack like kind of amused uh, or intrigued to see that this is how Jack is responding uh mm-hmm. to it all. Um yeah, I think I think Locke definitely does see kind of uh a peek behind the curtain of who Jack is uh which he maybe hasn't gotten to see at all yet and that's
0: intriguing for him.
2: Mhm.
0: I mean, we've seen it's kind of been building up to this point throughout the series too, you know. Yeah. The conversation they had in White Rabbit where Locke introduces the idea that, you know, there's something more to this, Jack. You know it. Um, The others, they see it. They're scared. But you know it, Jack. You're chasing something out here. And Locke has continued to bring it up. And they had the conversation, man of science, man of faith. Um, And now, finally, they're down here in this hatch together, confronted with, you know, a timer literally a timer and Locke's going here it is jack and i are going to finally bond (laughs) um and uh you know (laughs) we see how that goes (laughs) um but yeah so keeping going with the i like i like your point about uh how how um we see how they both respond to this crisis Locke, on one hand as Desmond's going to try to find um, the pieces to fix the computer, he comes over and he says, whatever you're looking for, whatever you're looking for, maybe I can help. Um, <laughs> Locke thinks, this is my destiny. I can help. Even though I can't fix a computer, I can still do it. That's that's Locke. Um, Jack, on the other hand... Um, is cynical. You're going to take his word for it. You understand what he's saying is insane. It's impossible. Um, and Locke, uh, Locke is living in possibility and Jack isn't. Mm-hmm. I guess we can say.
1: And and Locke does help right away because he, he snaps into, you know, like, what are you trying to do? He says, fix a computer. And Kate suggests Saeed. Yeah. And Locke is like, go get him. You know, <laughs> he's just immediately, Hey, we've got other people on this island. We don't have to do it just ourselves down here, you know. And so, in a way, he does. He is ready to help. You know, he knows how to delegate. <laughs>
0: sure. And I, I do like what's interesting about that is Jack goes along with it. They're mm-hmm. like, get Saeed, and then Jack goes thinking, get back up that that rope, um, which I, you know, you find interesting. You find weird. You think Jack would go no, she's not going to find. This is stupid, mm-hmm. but there's little instances throughout this episode, uh, where you're like, there's some Jack is. Jack still is kind of almost on board. Um, he's putting up this front. Like this is ridiculous, but I think there's part of him that's going, Hmm. There was that metal, you know, there was that magnet, like Desmond points out later in the wall. Um,
2: Hmm.
0: Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, so after this, we need to touch on so J- <laughs> Jack, you know, as Desmond's going to fix it. He takes the pieces from him. And he holds that um big rifle there, that big gun. I always get I'm he's holding the jar in one hand and this, you know, huge rifle in the other hand with one hand. That's not a one-handed rifle. I'm like <laughs> Jack's Strong, but I just I, I get nervous when I look at that. I'm like, if you know, if I were holding that thing, that thing would go off pretty quick because you just you'd accidentally drop it for a second, and you know, because it's a Yo. big thing. So that makes me nervous every time I look at that. That's funny. <laughs> but Desmond then is forced to tell his story, like you were mentioning earlier. We get this whole backstory suddenly of how he came to be down there. Um, and the thing that stood out to me about the story in the context of the episode, there's a lot of fascinating things like, okay, there was a guy named Kelvin and he found him and he brought him down here and he said he was saving the world and all that. But the key point of it that hit me is that they say they hit the, press the button together for a while and then Kelvin died. And then I was left down here all alone. The end. Mm -hmm. It's a, story, it's a cautionary tale. Um, this is how it's going to go, is basically what, the, it, in the context of the episode, you're like, this button is bad news. It's how I take it. And Locke doesn't hear it that way. And I think Jack is too distracted by how ridiculous all this is to, He he, he, he thinks the whole thing is ridiculous, but the core message of that is... Don't waste your time, pushing a button because you'll wind up alone.
1: Mm.
0: Kind of, but anyway. But what? I don't know. Thoughts on this scene?
1: I think that's awesome. I mean, I I hadn't even thought about how it really tied into the episode. Um, and I think that's that's a really good point. You know, the idea that he he did he was there with someone else for a while then he died and now he's all alone and and the cautionary element of that i had been mainly just struck by how interesting it was that we did get um desmond's story here in a very concise way Mm. and in an in such a way where it didn't feel like like an exposition dump you know it was it was so concise of him giving details that feel realistic to what he would reveal. Um, you know, we get the rest of his story later, but um, it's just interesting. Like I was reading about this episode and I, I found this in a couple places, but I couldn't find like an actual interview source or anything, but mm-hmm. um, apparently this was, this was supposed to be the end originally for Desmond's character. Like they mm-hmm. didn't, always intend for him to come back. Um they the writers originally only had Henry and Cusick signed on for like three episodes, you know, and that was it. Um and so I just found it interesting that potentially this was all we were going to get of an explanation of him from from this point, at least in in the writing process. Um and so they they gave him A very quick moment to tell his story and that was that was almost all we got but they they liked the character too much and brought him back basically um which i'm very thankful for yeah (laughs) but um so to me that was just that was what uh stood out to me most was just the idea of them making this episode and saying this is how he ended up here there you go and you know and it makes sense um but it definitely does still feel like uh, oh, there is, there is a lot more to explore with, uh, just saying that that guy died feels a little fishy, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> give mm-hmm. us more details, um, you know, and, and all of that, but, and how did he get there? You know, why was he here by himself and all of that? But, um, it just feels like very effective, uh, uh, world building, I guess in, in, in a, in a way that doesn't feel forced at all, which like you said earlier, um, can feel kind of rare these days with with shows and movies that are always trying to expand and create new spin-offs and everything all the time. Like it was just refreshing to feel like, Oh, this, this actually feels natural to, for him to introduce this story here.
0: Yeah. It's a great, just brilliant, concise to the point, um, summary of who he is very well written, very well put together. And I just love how it ties into the theme of the episode. It, it's not out of place. it's dealing with loneliness it's dealing with the you know it's a red flag that they put up right there. This hatch is bad news but Locke can't see that and Jack he can see that as he's saying you're gonna t- you're gonna take his word for that but the problem is. That neither of them are looking at the main issue. The personal inner, the, the interpersonal issue between the two of them. Um, or between the people that are down in the hatch. That's what it destroys. That's what the hatch destroys. It's actually true. Mm. What's going on. Jack is saying this, this hatch isn't real. It's real. That's, the problem is what it does to people. Um, And neither of them can see that because Locke is convinced. Yes, it's real. Jack says, it's not real. That's not the problem here. The problem is what's going on between you right now. It's, Mm -hmm. it's tearing you apart. You're not, you, you can't live together in a hatch. Uh, You're going to die alone. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. They, they both get caught up in the, you know, either the uh, believability or, you know, incomprehensibility, you know, of uh, the importance of the hatch, you know, that they're saving the world by pushing the button. They're both caught up by that line and for good reason, you know, it's a, it's like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right. They're missing the fact that the story ends with this guy being trapped in the hatch by himself. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and as we see in the episode you know the interpersonal stuff is is vital for um for their future
0: so i think that's that's the crux of it you know jack continues to just try to tear this down he says you understand what he's saying referring to desmond is insane it's impossible and Locke is like why is it insane Is it the reason, is the reason because you're, he recognized you that's why you're so upset because that would be impossible. So (laughs) there, yeah, I love, once again, just another example of this back and forth about it's meant to be, it's not meant to be, it's meant to be, it's not meant to be. Um, and they just lock Jack is frustrated with Locke. Locke is frustrated with Jack. Mm -hmm. They're seeing past each other.
1: It kind of reminds me that moment kind of reminds me of, you know, in in a uh, Man of Science, Man of Faith where Jack or where Locke is talking to Kate mm. about Jack, you know, and and you know uh about the pillar of smoke pulling him into the <laughs> into a hole in the ground. Yeah. Um and you know, I wonder what Jack thinks he saw. Mm. Um you know, Locke is kind of saying like why why are you finding it so hard to believe? Like what lies are you telling yourself? Uh, or or what what uh, roadblocks are you putting in front of yourself that are prohibiting you from just just being open to the idea that this guy might be telling the truth? Um, you know like what uh, Locke is way more open to, hey, maybe this button is important, you know, because he says it is. Um, you're on the same island I am, right and and Jack mm-hmm. is still denying that anything, uh, out of the ordinary could be possible. Um, it's like the conversation he had with Desmond off the island. You know, he, he doesn't believe in miracles, um, mm-hmm. even even though that story ended with him witnessing one. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's significant where that miracle led, mm-hmm. because we get that conversation with him and Desmond. Mm-hmm. We're not quite there in the episode, but... I think that's led to that's the core of his bitterness um, as far as looking at this is, this is, this is a miraculous situation. We're in Jack. Miracles don't lead anywhere. Good.
1: Mm, I feel like that. Yeah. That whole thing is just kind of overshadowing Jack in this episode still, you know, it's, it's so, it was so tied up in that episode, man of science, man of faith, which comes right before this, that I feel like that's still kind of, hanging over him as he's seeing desmond
0: Mm -hmm. desmond's presence is just flustering him beyond it's it's jack who was not burnt out going down into the hatch you know (laughs) it's late at night he hasn't had much sleep but he's still not all that burnt you know he's being very calm you know he's had the he's just calmed everyone down gets into the hatch sees desmond all of a sudden he's burnt out
1: it's so true. Yeah, he, it's it's like a light switch goes off. He's just immediately full boil, Jack.
0: That and Locke bringing his girlfriend down into the hatch.
1: Yeah, uh, that'll do it.
0: That'll do it, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, anywho, the next thing we uh, need to talk about, the point of the episode, I think, is the Dharma video. Oh, this such thing. a classic. Yeah, I, I love this so well put together we should mm-hmm. this it, it looks so yeah this is a weird 1970s experimental video from the music to the just the shots of the the weird experiments to these two scientists in this classroom who don't look like they're very thrilled to be on sky. <laughs> i love i love the acting by whoever you know the the people in the video even mm-hmm. doing a great job just kind of it, it all feels very like, yes, this was a real, the Dharma initiative is real, all this happened, and now we're we're watching an old video from that. It uh, mm-hmm. feels very nat feel very cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's honestly actually uh in a weird way, it almost feels too effective because uh, you know, when we when later on in the series when we see, you know, Pierre Chang like in just like normal you know like the characters are interacting with him he's not on old film or anything Mm -hmm. it i remember being like feeling like it shouldn't be possible because it feels like he only exists in like the 70s yeah you know it like everything about this video feels like you know and and intellectually like obviously i know oh they filmed this you know probably a week before they were editing you know or like filming everything else with all these same actors and everything but it really just so effectively feels like a really old video uh they just really knocked this out of the park uh for the the feel of it the music all the things you were saying and and the actors the sets and wardrobes is it's just such a good um scene uh just so effective in that way to the point where yeah when i see that actor i'm like wait he should be older now yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like it's it's just honestly amazing what what a good job they did
0: but mm-hmm. and i love the the edits you know the, mm-hmm. the flubs the the just the the the, the audio w- waivers the, everything in there yeah um and you you do you know it's 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 perfect uh meta commentary on the whole thing when at the end locks says, we're going to have to watch that again because oh, yeah. you do want to watch it again and you can catch a lot more in it each time you watch it like little things little details i still find myself going oh what does he mean by that or what you know where mm-hmm. oh there's an edit there i wonder what that could have been what more could have been revealed there we do find out one edit eventually but and we do find out Rodzinski was the one who made the edits so it's a fun detail too mm-hmm. but uh yeah just a lot of fun a lot of unanswered questions which i love i know people get frustrated but it's it's fun it's fun come on people Mm
2: -hmm.
1: well and i wonder you know i mean there you hear about things like you know they didn't like like i said earlier you know they didn't didn't necessarily know that they were going to bring desmond back later um and you know there are plenty of other things i'm sure that they uh planted and they weren't sure if they would do things with it later and i feel like this scene uh is full of stuff like that like other possibilities of things they could have brought back later like the uh all of our hanzo or whatever kind of that like blurry photo of a guy in a building and i'm like man i i feel like they they had to think at some point maybe we're going to somehow introduce that guy into the storyline, you know, (laughs) and, and do something with him later on. uh, So we don't really want to reveal his face too much so that we can have another actor come in and play him. You know, it's just, it's just really fun. Um, And yeah, I agree. They, some people might get frustrated about unanswered stuff in here, but I love that it opens up so many possibilities that you can imagine. um, You know, what did they mean by, you know, the different experiments, the different, uh, meteorology, all of the, you know, studies that they were wanting to do, you know, what are, what does all that actually mean? You know? Mm-hmm. But.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On, so I, yeah. The only other instance I can think of them bringing that, but they do bring it back later where we find out it might've been in the constant that his, his great grandfather or whoever was the the captain of the black rock,
1: oh that's right yeah you're totally right yeah which I, li- I
0: like that detail where it's like oh and so you can just fill in the blanks in your head like okay that guy found the island on the black rock and then his grandson maybe and obviously we know it didn't go well for those guys in the black rock um mm-hmm. for all but one um we'll get to that later <laughs> but yeah you can imagine his grandson's It's like, I got to figure out what happened to my grandfather and maybe eventually finds the island and all this stuff. So you can fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of great uh, world building um, there. But it all ties in, once again, they still manage to tie it into what's going on in this episode with the part about you you and your partner have to take alternating shifts Mm -hmm. to stay fresh. Um, and that line uh, plays into Locke's like, "Oh, here it is. Jack and I are the partners now. We're we're going to be partners in this hatch to keep each other fresh. That's the purpose." Um, I think that you know, that that sticks. Obviously, he brings it back later, but that's uh, that's why at the end of the episode, end of the video, Locke says, "We're going to need to watch that again." Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I'm going to need to watch that again. Because it's like, Jack, you and I are in this together, buddy. Let's watch this video and uh, we're going to figure out how to make this work.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it feels like, once again, like similar to the two of them hearing Desmond's story and reacting differently. You know, Locke, as you're saying it right now, it made me think Locke is watching it. As an orientation video, you know he he is seeing it as okay, day one of our training. All right, here we go. You know, and mm-hmm. we should watch that again, make sure we didn't miss anything. Whereas Jack just hears, you know, probably the phrase like electromagnetism or whatever. You know, there was an incident uh, and all that stuff, and goes, "This is baloney." Mm-hmm. You know, like why why would we need to watch this again? Um, and it just shows how, you know, they're both seeing things just so differently at this point. Um, I love, I love the fact that, yeah, it is tied into the, the theme of the episode that like, they, they are going to need to do it together. Um, but Jack just thinks, you know, he gets caught up in the unbelievability of it all. Um, when that's not even really the point
0: mm-hmm yeah he Jack's response um when Locke says yeah we're not gonna we're gonna have to watch that again he says, you're gonna watch that again no I'm not gonna watch that again and then he just leaves Locke mm. leaves him behind to watch the video. I think it's significant that he goes to Desmond and starts ranting about this because he's basically just kind of given up on Locke. But he he's like, Desmond, uh, I need to, I just I need to assert this this view that I have now. Like when Locke has the view that the hash means something, Jack is like, you ever think you they just put you down here just to see if you would? Mm. Isn't this manipulation? This is manipulation. That's what this is. That and that's a huge theme in Lost. It's like this is manipulation. Um maybe it would be more effective if, you know, Jack had could calm down a little bit and talk to Locke about that and say, "Hey John, you might we might be being manipulated here." But no, he's angry, so he just goes off and just tries to tear down Desmond. Um and of course Desmond's like, "Yeah, of course I've had those doubts."
2: <laughs>
0: but Jack is, yeah, so it it's yeah, they're looking past each other. Jack has now has his view of everything and he's trying to assert it. Meanwhile, Locke is still as stuck over in his view, and they're just worlds apart.
1: Mm-hmm. I I love that moment. Like there, it's just so perfect when Jack says, you know, he's yelling at Desmond and basically saying, like, you know, kind of borrowing from later on in the episode, like, you know. Don't you find it hard to believe all mm-hmm. of this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, don't you struggle with believing this? And I love how, you know, like he's like yelling and he's just mad at him. And Desmond answers, Of course I do. Every day I've questioned Every single this. Day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, you know, like one of the most accurate depictions of like faith. You know, like, someone misunderstanding what it could be is saying, like, don't you doubt ever? And he's like, well, yeah. that, mm. Like, sure. <laughs> mm. But I still, you know, have to trust that I'm doing something that makes sense. And I just thought that was just a kind of cool thing that it's like Jack is yelling as if pushing the button has no room for doubting, you know, that yeah. it it might all be false. And, you know, whereas Desmond, who, like like Locke, feels like a man of faith, you know, as opposed to a man of science, is like, yeah, there's, there's room for me questioning this, but I still have to, you know, what else am I going to do? I have to move forward with it, you know? Mm-hmm. I just thought that was just kind of a perfect line for both of those two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Desmond is sort of the perfect... Uh, once again, and throughout the series, I think this is true. Desmond is the perfect middle ground. I mean, not perfect, mm-hmm. it matter, is the intersection between science and faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was almost... Once again, we say he was almost a priest. He was also almost a doctor. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I love that you point, point out that Jack... What Jack can't understand... Is that there's a little there's being out of control? Jack always has to be in control, and he's saying, "Don't don't. How can you do this if you're out? If you're just doing this without understanding it fully?" And and Desmond is saying, "That's where faith comes in. Don't you understand?" And even though Desmond is also he's 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 still he he's not fully. obviously he's not fully committed to this because he's willing to leave. Like they're saying, he's willing to run mm-hmm. after, you know, everything goes wrong. Even though, even when Locke says, we can fix the computer, he says, give him my best. Because Desmond does understand that as much as, you know, this is an exercise in faith, he still has to have a foot outside of it and realize that it's not all there is uh, where Loc- that's where Locke is lost.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah that's a really good point that he's like jack doesn't understand faith the being out of control part desmond mm-hmm. does mm-hmm.
1: yep and and of course jack is at full boil so he's got to be mad about it too you know <laughs> <laughs> yep
0: and so good old desmond being the uh the trooper he is does his darndest to fix that computer uh didn't go too well. Yeah, yeah. yeah poor guy. <laughs> Ooh, all the uh the power goes out, and thank goodness there was a generator because it would get pretty dark down there, I would think, or a backup, yeah, whatever. It's... Yep. So that's when Desmond says, once he's like, "I have to go. I can't. You know, it's over. I've done everything I can do, but I have another out there. And I love that." As he's running away, um, that we see Jack look, and there's the photo of Penny mm-hmm. that he forgets to grab. Him and Penny, that, that photo that follows him throughout the series. Yes. And I like how Jack kind of looks at it and kind of... And I, I think the fact that Penny is, you know, she's a blonde woman, kind of looks like Sarah almost. Mm. Um, once again, Jack's like... Argh! there's another reminder (laughs) right there. And that's why he runs after Desmond Mm. um, because he's just so frustrated with everything. Um, But of course, as he goes, we get the conversation between the two of them. Locke says, this isn't what was supposed to happen. Pointing once again to the idea that Locke has, he, he thinks he understood, he knows what his destiny is. And he's trying to will that. And Locke and Jack being what was supposed to happen, being the cynic, um, Locke saying, "Please don't leave me here," and Jack saying, "Bye, John. You're on your own." Coming back to that theme of loneliness again. Locke is alone,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so is Jack, and because uh, they can't they can't see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, a couple things that I thought were interesting about this interaction. I, I just love Jack's, um, you know, he almost laughs and is like, what did you, what do you mean? Like, what was supposed to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I feel like Jack's kind of laughing at Locke and then Locke's moment after that. It, it's both of them kind of, putting their cards on the table, like Jack being like, you're ridiculous Locke," And then Locke saying like, please don't leave me down here alone. Mm. I just thought that was, there was something just really interesting in how vulnerable that felt for Locke. Yeah. You know, this moment where he says like, he suddenly feels very desperate. Like, you know, it almost feels like a, like a kid in the basement or something, you know, like, like don't, don't leave me down here. You know, I don't, I don't want to be down in this place by myself or something, you know, like uh, the lights just went out, you know, like, or whatever. And, uh, Jack just being like, you're, you're on your own, you know? Um, it's just a very, very lonely and sad moment for Locke. And I feel like it's just interesting that he would say to Jack that he would be kind of vulnerable in that moment and say like, like, please, please don't leave. Like I I don't want to be here by myself. Um and Jack's on a mission. He's in another he's in another world here and saying, you know, like I'm I'm going after that guy that I'm still pissed off at, you know? <laughs> um and uh meanwhile Locke is seeing happen what he was afraid of from both Desmond's story and the orientation video. Like like this is a two-person job and and he's left here by himself. Mm-hmm. And the, you know he doesn't know what's going to happen when it runs out obviously
0: yeah I, I, that line i'm glad you pointed that out because i would overlook that please don't leave me here that is Locke mm-hmm. revealing i think i think the point we miss here is that Locke won't be alone he'll be with the island mm because the next scene we see him going yelling you know it's like this is what what am i supposed to do yelling at the island that's who you know he or the mon, you know he doesn't realize it's the monster but that line reveals that even though Locke professes to believe that the island has his best interest at heart you know it's leading him to something greater. That's why he's done all this. That's why he, he believes Boone was a sacrifice the island demanded. That's why he was so dead set on getting down inside the hatch. Everything. And now he's there. And he doesn't want to be left alone with the island. Mm-hmm. Because he realizes that the island is just like his father. Mm. Just taking from him. And so that line, that line is the cry for help. And it's, it's his, it's him reaching out to Jack to try to have that connection. But Jack, like you're saying, he's in a different world. Jack is pissed. Um, So yeah, that's why the line, what am I supposed to do is so hard to swallow as mm-hmm. you're watching. You're like, this is depressing. This is a man who this is his God right now. And his God is doing cruel things to him.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it's so interesting, you know, like, like I said earlier, it feels like Locke is pretty, pretty calm and collected, or at least, you know, he's, he's reacting pretty, pretty well, especially in comparison to, to Jack, you know, uh, throughout the episode. And then as soon as he's left alone, it's like he has a meltdown, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it really feels like his, his hope, you know, that's what he was looking for in the hatch. It feels like it's suddenly just gone, um, in, in a blink of an eye because, uh, he's in this hatch alone, apparently, you know, with a failed mission ahead of him because the, the computer is dead. And, you know, so, uh, he's had so many times in his life where he thought he was supposed to do something and it doesn't work out mm-hmm. at this point, you know, what can he do, but cry out, what am I supposed to do now? Um, and I just, I think it's just an interesting choice that throughout the episode, he's been pretty, pretty even keel. And then suddenly he's left alone and he just breaks down, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I feel like it's accurate for, for his character, but it, it just feels like a hard, hard turn, and that makes it that much more, um, you know, uh, palpable uh, as a viewer, I think.
2: hmm
0: Yep. Locke puts on a good face and says, you know, this is... I got my legs back. There's obviously something to this. But at his core, he's it's so fragile, and he needs someone else to be there with him or else... It just completely breaks down Mm -hmm. like you're saying so on that note (laughs) i think we are about due for a break Mm -hmm. so we'll leave Locke in his sorrowful state hopefully it'll get better we'll see if it does (laughs) um after this break we'll be right back welcome back to see you in another life brothers and when we left our heroes a burnt out jack Mm -hmm was off chasing after a mysterious Desmond. And, uh, well, he catches up to him after Desmond takes a rough fall. Poor guy. I mean, he's had a rough enough day as it is, and then he has to fall like that. Come on. he's Come. He's been through enough. He's been through enough. Pushing the button every 108 minutes for all those years. But it gives Jack a chance to catch up with him. And, uh, I like desmond's desmond's response this scene overall is fantastic it's like the it's part two of course of that flashback um and i love the line at the beginning um it's kind of a throwaway line and i only caught it like the the most recent time i watched this but desmond says oh all right if by some miracle yeah, you managed to get that computer working again. I like how they dropped miracle in there because uh, mm-hmm. that's what that whole conversation was about originally. So that's kind of neat.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just realized too uh, that the ro- the roles are reversed here. That um, Desmond is the one who fell, and Jack catches up to him. Mm. Uh, and in the flashback, Jack trips and falls, and then Desmond comes over to him. Um, and I don't know that I didn't, didn't even notice that parallel until just now.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great, great little detail there. Um, mm-hmm. so much about this scene is great. Um, but, uh, Jack says, shut up. Um, yeah, his <laughs> lines, nothing is going to happen. Some man takes you down here, shows you a movie and you push a button on faith alone. Hmm. nothing is going to happen uh once again jack is this is a wholesale rejection of the idea of faith uh and uh his line why are you running you don't even know what you're running from getting to the point of how can you do something where you're not even sure of the point of it or you know any if it all is is what it is, uh, Jack, venting his full rage on that idea right here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's uh, the thing, you know. I watched this episode a couple times before talking about it. The first watch through, I was I was kind of frustrated by Jack because I was like, man, he. It feels like he is just so mad, you know. Like he just is shouting at someone who did not pick a fight. You know, he's fighting with someone who did not pick a fight in any way. You know, he's just like, why are you doing what you're doing? And, uh, but like, the more I thought about it and, and watching it again, it's like remembering, especially that context of man of science, man of faith and where Jack has just been, you know, kind of the journey we've just seen with him, uh, and also considering, especially in this scene, you know, what Desmond represents, um, it's, it's really like Jack is not even considering, you know, like necessarily the content of what he's saying so much as mm. he's frustrated and uh, confused and angry at, like, how is it possible that Desmond is here and also... Like you were saying, uh, the miracle that he experienced the last time that Desmond was here,
3: yeah,
1: you know where that eventually ended up for him in his life uh, with Sarah, um, and it's it's way more of just his emotional outburst at all of the combination of all those things leads to him standing here pointing at, a gun at an innocent man and shouting at him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and also he's been awake for like 24 hours or something like that. So, you know, I mean, he's he's burnt out, but <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's angry. He's not uh, yeah, it, it's not necessarily the content like you say. You know, he does think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the reason he's so angry is has nothing to do with that, it really just has to do well, it does have something to do with it, but it's more. He's angry because Desmond was the guy who presented who gave him the inkling that Sarah might be okay. He's the first guy who actually said, But what if you did fix her
3: hmm.
0: and put that idea in his head, put you know, and then it actually came true. Um. And, you know, that it seems like such a great thing. Desmond had the faith and it came true. And this miracle happened. And it's almost like Desmond willed it to happen. And it led down a road of such pain for Jack that he's he's like, Desmond is the reason this all happened. Desmond is the reason, Sarah, I, I, I married her and then it didn't work anymore. That's why when Desmond starts saying, you know, bringing it up, he's like, stop, stop. Don't, because that's exactly what, that's the core of it. Mm
3: -hmm. Jack's been
0: trying to deflect that and vent his rage in a way that's a little more logical, you know, that's actually as opposed to kind of more of a mystical sort of idea that Desmond made, made Sarah leave him. Mm -hmm. Um, But now Desmond's getting at that core and I love the, just the, I married her mm-hmm. it, 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 before it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Jack downplaying it. And then I married her. Um, and Desmond's response, you're not married anymore. The sadness mm-hmm. that comes over him at that point. Like I wanted something so good for you with this girl. And it didn't turn out well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what to do about that. So he just leaves.
1: I feel like it's, I don't know, it's just kind of a beautifully just human moment there. You know, like Desmond, you know, these two interacted one time years before and that's all Desmond has had to go off of. And he's like, how did that story end? You know, and he's so hopeful. And then, oh, it didn't end well, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I just love how, you know, it kind of reveals a little bit about who Desmond is here in that Jack's no longer pointing a gun at him. You know, uh, he just told him something really heartbreaking. Desmond is running for his life right now, but he takes time to, you know, kind of reflect and be like, Oh, that's, you know, you know, like he kind of sits there in the sorrow with Jack for a moment. And then, you know, of course, see you in another life, you know, and Uh, and he leaves. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of a beautifully sad moment between these two guys. Um, completely the opposite of, uh, the first moment that they had together, uh, off the island, uh, you know, which was kind of a hopeful, albeit, you know, like, uh, jack wasn't super hopeful at that time but it was a it was a hopeful interaction then and now it's kind of the the sad realization that it wasn't a happy ending Mm -hmm. um and then they part ways once again
0: yeah so desmond yeah his his response is to just be sorrowful with jack for a moment but then to still leave and i think jack it's kind of the catharsis of this the episode this is you know this is a lock episode but this is very much a jack episode yeah um, obviously and that's why i like about it he, he has such an arc in this in this episode because he has that moment of just letting it all out and saying i married her and then after that when he was running away from the hatch he decides to go back to the hatch, mm-hmm. which is such an intriguing decision on his part. It's like, why did Jack go, go back? If, you know, it's ridiculous as he's saying. Um, such an interesting choice. And you could say it's just because the writers needed him to come back so they could push the button, but no, um, <laughs> so they could have the code. <laughs> No, there is something to that decision. And I think it's Jack coming face to face with the idea that loneliness is when you just completely reject it all and try to shove it down and focus on what you see and not really deal with the unseen significance of everything. Mm. And so when Jack realizes that, he's like, maybe I do need other people. I think that's kind of what, that's why he comes back.
1: Yeah, well, I, I feel like that's definitely in keeping with, with the episode. And I also, you know, I wonder how much of it, like obviously it's got to be speculation because we don't have it laid out for us, but um, I wonder how much of it is also just him now being in the place of Desmond because for all he knows... um Locke doesn't know that combination of -hmm. numbers, you know, or, or, you know, if he did, maybe he's forgotten it. Um, And so potentially Jack is the only one on the island who could push the button. Um, So for all he knows, it's in his hands at this point. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like Desmond was, Uh, you know, you could just, assume that you know it's it's all just a lie but are you willing to take that gamble you know and so i wonder how much of it is also just like he can't he can't risk you know (laughs) the possibility that if it goes off you know if if the numbers count down um then it's his fault you know so sure um you know there i think it's got to be a combination of the two um but Mm -hmm. but yeah
0: yeah, that, yeah, there could be something to that as well. Jack feels a responsibility now mm-hmm. because he has those numbers. Um, yeah, could be either one, combination of the two. But uh, the fact is, Jack does come back. But before he comes back, we need to revisit Mister Locke in his darkest moment, and I do love how you know he's just like in such despair, putting those tools back in the box when Kate and Saeed and Hurley come back and just that moment when, you know, Kate comes in John and the look on his face when he sees them and suddenly like you're, like you were saying, it's part of it is just that he's cool, calm and collected lock again because other people are there Mm -hmm. um, putting on a front. But I think it's also that he, you know, he realizes how important it is to have the help of other people. So there's good, good in it, too. Um, Yeah, it's a great, great little moment there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. And and yeah, the fact that it is it's not even just that there's one other person, but it's kind of a little community of people and they're going to figure it out together. And yeah, it, it just feels fitting at that point.
0: And he says, Jack's gone. I need your help significant line i need help he's asking mm-hmm. for help he's reaching out um and uh we we do need to mention Hurley and Saeed. i do like that scene
2: mm-hmm. uh, when
0: they're on the oh yeah there's other people that's right there's other survivors um mm-hmm. the two of them on the beach and hurley saying i'm glad we can get back to normal
1: i love i love oh, how crap. it begins yeah <laughs> i love how it begins with hurley saying you know, and it is like we've been down in the hatch for for a while. You know, it's we've we've spent basically almost three episodes in this night, you know, it, more than that, because last, last season's finale was this night, you know, and finally it begins in in the daylight of the morning. Hurley's outside and he's like, you know, I man, I didn't think we'd make it through that night. And I just love that, you know, that that's how we're introduced to the next day. Um, I just thought that was kind of a fun little transition into, you know, oh, it's daytime and things are back to normal. And then, oh, Kate needs our help. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's like a commentary on, yeah, that was a long night. Yep. Yeah, but uh, And of course, so we need Saeed's help with the computer. Let's bring Hurley along too. <laughs> Of course. You know, you just, you always got to bring Hurley along, no matter what. Um, And so they come and uh, I like how, so they start working on this. Said starts working on it and uh, Locke's question to him when Mm. he's, uh, don't you need to know why? And we've been so consumed with Locke's like, Locke, Locke is, why, is his question. And Jack is, on the other side, like, who cares? Um, Back and forth. That's what we're getting here. Why, and it doesn't matter. And then Saeed's going, um, all you know is there's a timer counting down to something and the computer needs to be repaired. I'm sure he'll tell me why later. (laughs) He's so, Saeed is the best. He's just so, uh, just logical. And yes, the voice of reason <laughs> when Jack and when Jack and Locke are arguing later, this this conversation is irrelevant. <laughs> that's, that's that's so true. Said is the best. Um, I, I yeah. love
1: Said here, yeah. I just love how, yeah, don't you need to know why? And he's like, numbers are counting down, I'm sure it's important. Let me get to work, and it's like, dang it, Said, you're the best, <laughs> yeah. Just,
0: it, it, cut through all this um, emotional craziness that's going on down here with all this baggage that these two crazy guys are bringing up and let's just fix a computer, dang it.
1: He's like, I don't even want to use up any of my brain cells considering you know any of the other stuff. I just need to fix this computer and I love that.
0: I've come down here to fix computers and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble That's <laughs> right. That's Saeed. Ah, so... True to form, Saeed, the professor, fixes the computer. Uh, It would only be appropriate if he had done it with coconuts, all of Gilligan's Island, but no, he does it with just regular parts. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so Locke has to put in the code. Poor Hurley.
1: (laughs) Deja vu. Yeah.
0: He says, he's putting it Hurley. This is not the timer, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just Hurley's like, come on, man. This is the, this is the one, this is my thing. I am the expert on these numbers. <laughs> and uh, I love how it's only Jack coming in at the last second that kind of quiets Hurley finally. Cause Hurley, I think Hurley respects Jack. Mm-hmm. And when Jack brings in the 42, he's like, I, I can't go against Jack. Jack's the leader so whatever here we go
1: (laughs) yep and you know i have to bring up uh you know we've talked about some of our favorite recurring tropes uh or or things that happen in lost um my wife julie pointed this out in uh her watching of lost last year you know she hadn't seen it before and she was going through the whole series for the first time Mm -hmm. she was like there are so many scenes where a character tells another character a very long string of numbers or like a combination or something yeah (laughs) and they remember (laughs) it perfectly (laughs) (laughs) and i (laughs) this was the first time i think i i noticed it in this rewatch but as soon as she said that i was like oh yeah i feel like that does happen a lot so now i'm on the lookout for it and it just made me laugh in this episode like like, yeah, Locke remembers that from one time mm-hmm. entering the numbers. And Jack heard the numbers, like, one and a half times from Desmond, but he was not paying attention, and he still remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just think
0: that's funny. Well, Locke didn't remember him fully. He got 32.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. yeah,
0: that's just a really good point. It's like, how could you... It, it, <laughs> I mean, it's a sequence of six numbers, and they're random numbers. I mean, they are in... Uh, ascending order but still mm-hmm. um, and I do and Jack might have just remembered 42 too that's you, know, you true. remember the beginning and the end
1: maybe uh, Locke only remembered the first few and Jack only remembered the last one and together hey together they needed to they needed each other so there yeah, you go
0: they're perfect for each other there you go but uh yeah so that's a really good point though that is a true <laughs> who remembers all those numbers? um but uh this all leads up to this conversation that is one of the uh classic moments in the series mm-hmm. keeps you know and previously on we get it brought up so many times why do you why do you find it so hard to believe why do you find it so easy it's never been easy is mm-hmm. etched in your brain you remember that um and it sums up their their conflict so perfectly lock is like just believe already and jack's like you 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 believe so quickly lock you're just so gullible and lock's like no it's not that it's never been easy i'm not gullible i'm just i i this is in my dna i need to believe Mm -hmm. so it's but it's hard
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i feel like this is this is a good companion to that you know interaction with uh jack and desmond earlier when desmond says you know i question it every day um the idea that jack you know in his mind is like "Why? why do you find this all so easy to believe and i love Locke's response it's never been easy Mm -hmm. um you know i i just think it's like jack sees it as either you know easy or hard or whatever you know like it's it's either you believe or you don't, and Locke says, "No, there's a struggle in this, but I still believe. I believe there is something here. You know, I believe there is a, a a greater purpose to to everything that happens. You know, uh, and I yeah, it's just a a perfect interaction, a perfect uh summary of who these guys are and the way they see um." you know, fully like what is happening on this Island? Mm -hmm. Um, Locke sees, of course there is something bigger than us going on. And Jack is just like, yeah, like you were saying, are, are you gullible or what, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but it's not quite that simple. Um, Mm -hmm. and I love how Locke, you know, is just like, like, it's not that clear, you know, it's, it's never been easy. Um, but you gotta believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Locke points to evidence. He says, "You saw the film, Jack. This is a two-person job, at least. Mm. That was a sign. You gotta admit that was a sign. Two-person job. We watched it together. And uh, yeah, this is clearly it. There's a purpose to this, um, and." And Jack says, no, it's not real. Look, you want to push the button, John? Do it yourself. Uh, Locke comes back, and him once again with evidence, if it's not real, then what are you doing here, Jack? What we were talking about before, why'd Jack come back? <laughs> Locke's like, that's another sign that this means something. Um, Locke's pointing to all of the like overall, this is destiny, and missing the point that, you know, missing the person, really. Um, Jack... And Jack, and Jack is just frustrated, of course, because he doesn't. Miracles don't end well for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and but but Locke, basically, the way I see the, the end of this conversation, Locke wins because he basically again and again comes back, you know, I can't do this alone, Jack. I don't want to. It's a leap of faith, Jack. He basically plays on Jack's need for, you know, his need for other people. And basically Locke kind of convinces him to come over to his side and this is where I go back to Locke's Helen's role in this episode. What Helen did in the flashback is Helen helped Locke get away from an insane situation of sitting outside his father's house over and over again, expecting something different to happen. That's what Helen did for Locke. What Locke does for Jack is convince him to do the opposite to join him in an insane situation of mm. pushing a button over and over again except expecting something different to happen. Mhm. That's the connection. And so that's why this the the island narrative does not have the redemptive it's it's because Locke is as we know from later flashback episodes his relationship with Helen doesn't go well. It it ends poorly because he can't he can't escape that connection with his father, just as he can't escape this feeling that the hatch was death, the island's purpose for him. Um, so that's where it, why it uh, doesn't end well here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's like if you if you take this episode only by itself, you know, not knowing where things go in the future, um, it does still feel like kind of a positive ending. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like these characters are all together. They got it fixed. They reset the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack opens up to the possibility that, you know, maybe Locke is right about some stuff on this island, and and maybe he is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it, uh, I guess it still feels more like a mystery of, like, well, what would have happened if they had let the numbers run out? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so it it maybe isn't still that positive, but um, it is just kind of an interesting, uh, ambiguously positive feeling (laughs) ending Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like these characters they fixed it mission accomplished even jack came back you know their their fearless leader returned to make sure they had that last digit right and they're uh they're good you know um but yeah i think you know in the grand scheme of the series um yeah it doesn't have that same redemptive feel that even that scene uh with Locke and helen in the flashback had um i guess both of them kind of are scenes that can feel redemptive on their own but when you see the larger scope of their story it's like yeah there was there was more to that that we will see later <laughs> that puts it in a different tone
0: yeah i think the difference of course is that helen wasn't lost
1: yeah uh, no pun intended yeah uh
0: Helen, Helen wasn't lost. Helen understood that we gotta we gotta get out of here. we gotta get to something you know I don't know where we're going, but we're going together and we're not going to be trapped inside this um cycle of manipulation. Meanwhile, Jack and Locke are both lost still,
2: yeah, even
0: though you know and you Jack coming back and deciding to push the button is there's some good to it because at least he and Locke are, you know kind of connecting but they they to fully connect they need to there's more work that needs to be done i don't think they actually do that work throughout the you know as the season goes on we'll see it, it disintegrate and it'll be interesting not fun <laughs> to analyze how it falls apart but yeah um, interesting to say the least definitely Well, we've, I think we've uh, exhausted this for long enough, this uh, hope, hope the listeners No, it's been interesting to discuss. I, mean, I, I find it endlessly interesting this episode. Oh, a yeah. um, lot, a lot, lot of layers we could still peel. We could go on probably for a long time back and forth, but we won't put you through that. Um, <laughs> instead, I think in our last few minutes here together, I think we need to talk about the other part of this episode which wait, there's another part. Oh yeah, oh yeah. oh yeah, Jim. Jim and uh, Sawyer and Michael. what what's going on with those guys? Uh, well, not much good. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So first uh, they get uh, get echo goes full echo on them. is how <laughs> I put it in my notes. It's just like it's like the Hulk basically smashing. They had no shot. poor guys. <laughs> but I love it. Mr. just the introduction of Mr. Echo here, mm-hmm. by the way. It's perfect. It's like this, they, this beast of a man who's like, you're like, oh, this guy's terrifying. It, it builds up such a reverence for him. And they do it great late in later episodes where you're like, Mr. Echo. And then you get to know him. And it's such a fascinating story with him yeah. as well just a great introduction to his character um, mm-hmm. finding him doing this here. And they're like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> yep. Where did and, he come from?
1: Yeah. And he's so intimidating and the rest of, you know, the, the other castaways are so believable as the others too. You know, like mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're watching this and thinking that they're the others, you have a lot of reason to believe so. Cause they, they, beat them up have nets ready to pull them into the jungle basically Mm -hmm. you know and uh they even have a pit dug out of the ground Mm -hmm. to put people in so it's like oh yeah they're they are definitely the others you know there's no reason to think not
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well they don't have where's the where's the boat i guess that's guy. true but still yeah <laughs> no but i mean who, who else could they be right it's right uh, you understand Jin? well Jin is special poor Jin. gosh we get his perspective in the i think in the next episode of what happened to him or maybe that's coming up where you're like doesn't mm-hmm. speak any english all of a sudden there's these weird people he just got you know tossed at sea and uh yeah and then he gets his hands tied by and poor guy yeah um one thing I did want to point out, uh, not not necessarily an important thing, but as I was watching this, um, like the last time I watched it, you get a, you know, they have the shot of the people mm-hmm. Echo in the middle and then the other castaways beside him. And I'm looking at that. And if you go back and watch it again, you look at the, if you if you pause those scenes, you'll see very clearly they have a guy there who's supposed to be Bernard. Yeah. he's not Bernard. <laughs> they hadn't cast him yet. Clearly. <laughs> it's funny. I just like, that is not Bernard at all. <laughs> that's a different mm-hmm. guy. I, they might've had Libby. I feel like Libby was there, but uh, yeah, you're like, who the heck is that guy?
1: nope Yeah. I noticed that when they were in one of the scenes and then when they're like dragging them into the yeah. forest, I'm like, Oh, that's supposed to be Bernard, right? Oh, that's, that's clearly a different person, but, you know, mm-hmm. you know they, hadn't, they hadn't cast him yet.
0: No. But anyway, so they throw him down in the pit. Really not a ton to discuss here with what's going on. I mean, this is one of those where it's more for the first-time viewers. You're like, what's going on? Once you know. Yeah. You know. Um, the line that did stand out to me um, when they throw Anna Lucia in there, um, and she tells her story. Sawyer is lying to her. You've been out here all this time by yourself. Mm. That hit me because it it, it it ties into the theme of loneliness in the episode, being alone versus being with other people. Mm. But it also, in a way, is Anna Lucia says, yeah. And that's actually kind of the truth. I love that. Mm. Because Anna Lucia is such a loner. And we see her in the other 48 days when we get there. She's she's shutting everyone out for the, most of those forty eight days, um, so it's a, it's kind of the truth. Um, so I like that line.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's she. Yeah, they didn't even realize it, but yeah, getting at some truth there. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And the other thing um, we need to point out to Sawyer's nickname for Echo, which is perfect. <laughs> the next time Shaft opens the cage, he's going to get a surprising little howdy doody. <laughs> Probably the best line of the episode.
1: I also, I also love, um, uh, Anna Lucy's response to Sawyer having a gun. Like, why didn't you use that when they, when they, uh, <laughs> attacked you, which is a great question. And I love how he's like, well, I guess I was too busy getting smacked in the face or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like, but also like if you had a gun on you it is kind of a funny thing that he didn't pull the gun right there you know yeah like, but yeah he he wasn't thinking straight he wasn't expecting to get ambushed right away so he's also got
0: uh, one arm only one arm basically <laughs> that's, that's true that's true it could be a little bit difficult but uh, yeah and you get when you got uh, mr. echo bearing down on you you're probably not a lot going through your mind except Help! Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But I like at, at first time you know viewing this. You just like how it, it feels weird with Ana Lucia, and she mm-hmm. plays it perfectly. Michelle Rodriguez, um, her performance throughout the series is underrated. Probably one of the you know ones that doesn't get talked about as much. Um, but yeah, she's perfect for this role. Yes, and her 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 kind of like as she's getting skeptical. And you see her and Sawyer going back and forth. They're kind of the same type. And Sawyer's going, something's not right here. And uh, yeah, just perfect when she turns on him. And very believable. The cop, mm-hmm. Anna Lucia, comes out.
1: I, yeah, I, I also thought the same thing. Yeah, the the cop comes out in that scene. Yeah, that, that was perfect. The way she handles grabbing the gun from him and, and all of that. I feel like... This this whole storyline is yeah, it's uh kind of, you know, we're just bridging from A to B here, you know, setting up yeah, uh that they're they're in a hole in the ground and Ana Lucia shows up and um she gets the gun from them and, you know, like, oh, so some of the at least one person from the tail section survived. But what's going on here? The one thing that kind of bothered me about this and it's such a small nitpick Mm -hmm. but um, I've always not liked how when she, uh, when Echo pulls her out of the pit, how we hear him say to her, like, uh, you know, what did you find out? Like, who are they? Um, I don't know why that just bothers me so much. I feel like I just would have rather had it be, uh, we still don't hear Echo talk at all. He's Mm. still like this ominous presence And we don't know why she was lowered into the pit. Like, I wish they had just left it, like, uh, unsaid, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, what what was going on here? I felt like they, that was just a little bit too much information there that, like, oh, they were doing that to find out information about them, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like we could have read between the lines and understood that without having to hear someone say, like, who are they? <laughs> you yeah. know, but anyway, that's such a that's such a nitpick. But every time I've watched this episode, I'm I've been like, oh man, why did they have him say something there? Yeah.
0: But, well, you know, you got you got to get these things out. We ha- we all have to vent our frustration, like Doctor Jack, <laughs> yeah. every now and then, saying, "Why did you have that in the episode? Why did you do that? <laughs> why did you have to spell it out for us? Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all have that. we all have to have our Jack moments.
1: Yeah." I just, every time I hear that line from Echo, I go full boil Jack. So.
0: <laughs> that, that sets you off. So I'll, I'll, I'll remember that and not be there when you what for that part, when you watch this episode next time, <laughs>
1: just, it gets to that point and you just got to leave the room. I yep. got to get out of here.
0: Yep. <laughs> but speaking of things that set people off, I think the only other thing we need to mention before we end is, uh, Hurley found the food.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah. That leads right into next, next week's episode.
0: Yeah. Poor Hurley finding all this food. Um, I, I equate it to when Charlie found the Virgin Mary statues. It's yeah. Like, here's the temptation, Hurley. Um, and uh, we get more of that as we go throughout the series. But especially in the next episode, titled Everybody Hates Hugo, the first episode to feature a character name in the title. Fun one. Huh it's kind of cool and it's weird because i don't hate hugo i love (laughs) hugo
1: very strange we'll have to see what they're doing with that
0: i thought everyone loved hurley i don't know what's going on this is messing with my mind well it'll be fun but uh we'll have to wait until next week but uh as always my brother thanks so much for talking loss with me always a good time
1: yeah thank you always good
0: And thank you all for listening. And uh, I guess all that's left to say is we will see you in another episode, brothers.